good evening ladies and gentlemen uh i trust we are we are doing well uh you're welcome to the 23rd edition of leadership talk with adegoke tonight i'll be speaking alongside with uh, my brother uh dapo akioson san and we'll be looking at the topic leadership and the rule of law leadership and the rule of law uh, so much has been happening uh, in the last uh, one week whether it's in uh, the us or even in nigeria lagos nigeria and um, i just want to encourage us as we begin to jump in to make sure you can you take down notes and I'll be bringing in uh, Dr. Akinson, SAN, uh, to join me in the studio. Uh, okay. You are welcome, sir. Good You're evening. Welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> Trust you are, you are you're well and your and your family, sir. <laughs> yes, we're all good and we're staying, and we're staying away from COVID. Thankfully, wow. God has been good to us. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So tonight we'll be looking at the topic leadership and the rule of law. Leadership and the rule of law. So um, can you just uh, please introduce yourself, sir? <coughs> that's not difficult. That's very easy. There's, there's not much to say about me. My name is Dako Akiyoshun. Um, I started my education in Lagos, Nigeria at the Army Children's School. From there, I went into St. Fimbus College, which I believe is one of the best secondary schools Nigeria ever had. <laughs> and then I was privileged to attend the University of Ife, wow. where I studied history arts okay. and graduated, did some work for two or three years working in the Federal Civil Service. Looking at the top, um, I sorry, my... sorry, go ahead, sir. And then I joined the, I went back to University of Lagos to study law. Okay. Uh, and as you will know, that is, University of Lagos is like the Harvard of Africa, going to study law in Harvard <laughs> in Nigeria is what you get when you study law in Nigeria. Yes. After graduation from law, I worked in the I worked in a law firm for a year, then I went into the banking sector. I rose in a short while to become the company secretary in a mortgage bank. Then the crash happened in the early 90s, and I had to look for another job. It was difficult getting a job, so I set up my own practice. Mm. And starting as a one-man law firm, in which I was a secretary, I was a receptionist, I was a typist, and dispatch man. Wow. God has helped us. In 2006, 2007, we became a partnership. I took on some partners, which included my lecturer in school and also wow. one of my friends who had been in the US. And we formed what is now called Simon Scooper Partners. Uh, and Simon Scooper Partners, even if I must say, is one of the most outstanding law firms in Nigeria today in wow. terms of are rich in terms of 
the kind of matters we have handled, uh, I know that without a doubt, there's a long play to go for Simon Scooper. So that is my life in a nutshell. Last year, I was admitted to the inner bar and became a senior advocate of Nigeria. Congra congratulations, sir. Congratulations. Wow, wow. We're so, we're so proud of you. Um, Residentally, we went to the same uh, secondary school, but uh, you were way ahead of me. And uh, and uh, you're also showing up at a time like this to add value. And it's instructive that, um, you know, all over the world right now, you know, um, the rule of law is uh, something that, you know, uh, everyone is just um, concerned about. But I just want you to um, share with us, how did you get into leadership? You know, you've spoken about, you know, your banking experience, your knowledge of, uh, you know, uh, banking industry. But, you know, as a company secretary, well, it's different from being, you know, a practicing lawyer, because I believe that you're also into litigation and so on and so forth. Tell us, please, how did you get into leadership? Well, leadership is something that you grow into or it comes upon you. Okay. But the first thing about leadership is that you need to be a servant. I worked with some people. I had some mentors I looked up to. I went to my mentors. I learned from them. And I started as a junior lawyer in the, in the, in the banking industry. I was assistant to somebody from there. I got another job opportunity that gave me the essence of promotion. But in the course of leadership, one of the places I found the easiest, the best training ground has been the church. In mm. church, I joined the workers' team, and mm. you just have to learn to surrender your will and submit yourself to mm. whoever is in authority or leadership over you. So it becomes mm. easy to guide and learn from them. If you're attentive, if you listen well, I listen and take instructions. I do it to the best of my ability. Mm. And I always know that that little extra makes a difference. Mm. When others give up, I put in a little extra effort. I, I generally, I don't, I learned something in my secondary school then that, which I wrote on my wall, that I can do it and I will do it. And mm. I wrote it on my wall then as I can and I will. And every time I look at something that somebody has done before, a challenge that is set before me, I mm. just believe that. Once there's a will, there's a way. It may not always come easy, it may not always come quickly, but in pursuing the end of it, and until I get to the end, I just don't stop. I feel, yeah, I get up again and do it again, but you just keep trying. And wow. that way, you find that as you accept more responsibility, people learn to entrust you with more responsibility. Mm. Not always about the money, but first of all, about just delivering results. Mm. And I always believe that the more results you deliver, the more people entrust you with bigger responsibilities as if we throw this at him, he will take it. Uh, and in a short while, you become a supervisor of other people who are learning from you and you can show them, oh, this is how I did this before. It's not so difficult. But many times I also listen to those who have done it before and I say, how, how did you do it? What do you do? And I take hints from them. I mm -hmm. put the one I don't like aside and do the one I, and look at the one that I can handle and mm -hmm. continue from there. Wow, wow. Amazing. I just want to salute you, sir. Um, when I uh, reached out to you, you know, you didn't even hesitate to uh, accept the invitation. 
um, it shows the the humility in a user because I've reached out to some people that are you know knowledgeable, but they keep on you know some of them say they are so busy. You know, I know I know you are also extremely busy. You know, to find out time to create time to because quite a, quite a number of people are listening to this all over the world right now, and you are speaking into so many lives. Um, I just want to to also uh, speak into this. What's the relationship between uh, leadership and the rule of law? Well, I, I guess what makes a difference to you. Leadership yeah. is what makes you follow the rule of law. As you lead people, you have to guide them in a certain way. But if you are not following the law or following rules and regulations, mm. you will, it will be difficult to teach people the way to go. If you're always looking at shortcuts and doing things the wrong way, and the only way you can help people who are looking at you is by showing them how to do things right. And I guess part of the problem we have in this country that is Nigeria today and the world generally is that people always want to do things, a, a shortcut way around about let's get the results quickly without paying the dues or going through the, going through the proper procedure. And there's always a procedure. You see, people want today, you, a lot of people want to get rich quick. And that is where you find people getting to money rituals, committing, doing sacrifices because they think that mm. all you need to do is have a tree behind your house making money. No, but hard work pays. If you work mm. hard and you pray and you find favor with God, you will find that those things that you are pursuing very soon will start pursuing you. But mm. part of leadership is also being willing to make sacrifice of yourself, mm. of your time, and of what you have. Because if you don't give what you have, then how do you help others? How do you lead others? As I said to you earlier, I've been in meetings from 7 a.m. today. Hmm. I barely got in about 15 minutes before this show started. Wow. And I just said, well, it, it is a commitment to help to see other people grow. The more people that you can help to grow, the better for you ultimately. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, I want to. Um, because your screen is a bit, uh, you know, smaller than mine. I want to see whether I can manipulate it to become a bit, because I would like people to see your face properly, you know. So, <laughs> so I get the indulgence of those who are listening. Um, I would uh, now, okay. So let me bring you on properly. Oh, okay. There, there's no volume on this one. There's no sound on this one. So I might have to switch back to. Okay, I need to add you back. There's no volume on. No, no, no. Let me unmute the mic. Okay, you have to unmute. Okay. Yes, I done that now. I think we are okay. good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, so, yes. Now, I, I just want to now um look at how can a leader benefit from obeying the rule of law. Um. I just want to cite some cases, you know, instances, so that it won't just be too, uh, <laughs> it won't be too uh, intellectual. <laughs> you know, in the in the U.S., I was following the um, the impeachment trial yesterday, and uh, fifty-seven senators to forty-three. You know, uh, for for Democrats. Can you move closer, sir? 
Can, you can move yes. Yeah, it's better. 57 okay. to 43. And yeah. uh, I saw, I, you know, January 6 was um, very, very, I mean, I can never forget what happened at the Capitol, where the mob came upon the, you know, <laughs> the Capitol. And uh, as it turned out yesterday, we had 57 uh, Democrats to 43 um, Republicans. Can you just speak to, you know, what happened at the Capitol on the January, it's the 6th of January. We're still going to come back to Nigeria, but I want us to just, uh, yes. <laughs> no, well, you see, it happens all over the world when the leader is trying to circumvent the law. What, what we saw there was typical, what could have happened in any African country, and they would say, oh, Africans are barbarians. But what, there was an election that was free and fair, but the president or the person in, in leadership was not willing to accept the will of the masses. Mm. And he was doing everything possible to circumvent it. And what you find, or what you saw, was the chaos that happened from mm. people who trusted his judgment and mm. were being led astray by following the wrong leader. Mm. And many times, you also need a discerning spirit. You also need to look at what is, as I said earlier, the things that I see in people I looked up to as mentors, there are some things they do that I know, well, they're, they're first of all men, but you also mm. now need to decipher, is this right or wrong? And mm. that is your sense of value, your value judgment. Mm. Is it right to do, to upturn the will of the people? Yes, I believe in this man, but the, but the majority have said he's not the person they want. Will I accept what the majority is saying or must I always have my way? And there are times you need to step back and have the, but what you saw was an unruly mob being led astray by a wrong leader, and they had their own motives. They just wanted to cause confusion, and I'm not sure how far they could have gone, but it also shows that there was a resolute portion that, that said, we will do what is right, and as long as a majority will do what is right, then you will find that good will always prevail over evil. But when people begin to think, oh, well, let's, let's support the wrong cause so that I can benefit by knowing the person in authority, then the whole system collapses and everybody is in trouble because it mm. could have been worse. But I think that was a show of shame and it showed us that Americans are not better than Nigerians, only that some people would do what is right. Wow, wow, wow. The President of the United States of America, after the, um, the trial, said that democracy is fragile. Do you believe that democracy is fragile or, you know, uh, is that very a very hard statement? <laughs> no, but from my from my own experience as well, you can see that democracy is truly fragile. From what we've seen, all it takes is one person to do what is wrong and lead many people astray. Hmm. And in some countries, that is what has led the military to come in and say we're taking over. These politicians don't know what they're doing, and hmm. they just have martial law. So until people begin to do things right, you'll find that democracy, and as you can see, people in, in parties here change parties. They cross from one party to the other. You wonder what ideals do you really stand for? Because democracy is also about standing for some ideals you believe in. If you're a Democrat or a Republican, there are some things that you stand for. Are you socialist or are you capitalist? And those are the things that you need to stand on one side of the divide. But jumping back and forth without any opinion of your own is what makes democracy even more fragile. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the outcome of the, you know, the trial now, as it is now, what, what is likely to happen? Because one of the things that the impeachment managers were saying that if the, you know, the, the is not, there is not a guilty verdict, it's likely to happen again. You know, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, from the things I've heard, you will see that although the, um, the Senate said he was not guilty. They didn't say he was not guilty, but majority did not did not vote for him, did not vote mm. against him because he did not achieve the maximum. But definitely more people voted to say that what he did was wrong and mm. did not reach the two-third majority that was required to impeach him. But mm. even one of the most critical people, I think that was Mitch, um, Mitch McCormick. McCormick. Yeah. Mitch came back McCormick. That what he did was wrong and the name was guilty. But they just kept the vote, but he did not vote so that he would not be punished or sanctioned for it. Because yeah. what would have followed would be sanctions. And mm. he has avoided the sanction from the Senate of impeachment on technical mm. grounds that he was no longer the president at the time this was coming up and things mm. like that. Ultimately, from the complaints and people who are trying who were led astray, some of them are saying they believed him. So mm. I think that the trials will still continue on different levels. And more people are coming out to say, well, yes, we believed in him is why we did what we did. So he mm. may not be impeached officially, but definitely the truth is coming out and more people are likely to vote, uh, hold it, to see that mm. they still hold him accountable for what went wrong. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for speaking to that because, um, you know, it's, it's very important to, you know, we don't want to be uh, speaking from a local perspective because I also know that you are a global uh, <laughs> a global person. Um, now, how can a leader uh, benefit from obeying the rule of law? Easy, because if things are if things are right, and everybody follows the law, you will ultimately benefit from it. For for instance, as the American example you just led now, because some leader like Mike Pence chose to follow the rule of law. The American country has now is now a bit more settled, but it could have gone into a lot of chaos and fighting and even a war if mm. he did not stand by the rule of law. And mm. so, when a leader stands with what is right, uh, he will ultimately allow the system to mm. function better. But mm. if you don't, uh, you will lead a lot of. Uh, what you find in in these things is that when two leaders refuse to follow the rule of law. Yes. They will leave younger people below them astray. They are the ones that get up and fight. They are the ones who go to war. Mm. And you will find that they are the ones who die most in a war situation because mm. the people above them have not. And then all the people they were leading are injured. Many die. And you're wondering that if you're a leader and there's nobody behind you again, you find they now go as low as um, engaging child soldiers, people as young as 9, 10, 11, and have been drafted as their followers because they've been able to kill everybody in the age group that was following them. So it's a dangerous thing when a leader doesn't follow the rule of law and it can only break things down and make it worse, ultimately. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Now, um, I know there's some people on the platform, you know, I mean, someone just said, if you don't have values you, that you stand for, you fall for anything. <laughs> That's very instructive. Uh, someone also said that uh, leadership also begins with uh, with with seven, you know. 
Now, how has it been, even for you? I mean, uh, in terms of serving, I know that uh, you know you worked, you know, in different um, uh, establishments. You know, what what has been your experience in terms of serving in your journey to leadership? What are the mm -hmm. lessons you have learned? Yes, being able to stay the course. Being able to follow instructions or guidance through. And sometimes when you don't agree with whoever is in leadership with you, you need to be able to correct without being rude. You need to do it in a manner that you make him see what you are doing without necessarily becoming disagreeable. But if he's not willing to listen to you, then you let him have his way at that time. But most people are very reasonable if you catch them at the right time. So go back and tell him that, okay, that thing you said yesterday, I'm not sure that was the best decision. And if you have a good argument, a reason why you think it should not work the way he's saying, yes. he most likely will listen to you. If he's a stubborn type, he will tell you, no, it doesn't matter. I've done it, I've done it. But trust me, he's going to stop, pause, and think. As long as you're not doing it with the motive of getting something for yourself, but you're looking at the best interest of the organization. Yeah. Uh, and I always tell people that if you work for somebody, be loyal to him. While you are there, he's paying your salary. If you don't want that job again, then resign honorably and go somewhere else. But when you sit in an organization, you grumble, you mumble, you backbite, you tear down the organization, that organization is unlikely to grow. And at the end of the day, when he fails, you will also fail. Hmm. But if you don't believe in the vision of that leader, then move somewhere else and do your own leadership thing. But while you are there, be loyal to him. Let hmm. Help to grow. Nobody has a monopoly of knowledge or wisdom. You are also learning. You make your mistakes under him. And if you are wrong, be honest enough to say, I'm sorry. It doesn't take anything out of you. That Okay, I missed that. I thought this was a better way to do it. But if you don't follow the rules, then we all end up in trouble. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Amazing. If you don't follow the rules, you will end up in trouble. So loyalty is, uh, is key. Now, um, yes. Now, the rule of law, the rule of law in Nigeria, on a scale of one to 10, I know you are, you know, a senior member of the bar, you, you know, you, You've, uh, you've been in the bar for now 25 years and even more. Uh, what has been your experience? Because um, most times we find that, that you know, they, the courts will rule on this matter and, we, you, know, you know, obedience of even the judgment is, is, is sometimes is far-fetched. Can you just speak to that, sir? Because quite a number of us on this platform, we're not lawyers, but sometimes we are worried and say, you know, the court has ruled Particularly government, you know, you know, it's uh, it's it's a bit uh, discouraging. Can you speak to that, sir? It's a tough thing when you're in, tough thing when you're in government, really. And sometimes it is difficult to always. While the rule of law says do something this way, a few times you find that as government they're in a very difficult position. And because I've seen some of them at close quarters, I know that they give their best. And for those who are doing it with an honest intention, it's very frustrating as well. For I'll give you an example. Under the Nigerian laws, NEC was set up as a regulatory commission to watch the when it was when power was privatized. The National Electricity Regulatory Commission 
was set up to monitor those who invested their monies in the private, privately and also the benefit of the users. And I said, well, those who have invested money in this sector need to recoup because it's very expensive. But at the same time, we have been used to getting power from NEPA or little or no power from NEPA. And it was always difficult for people to want to pay. So NEC was supposed to graduate how you pay and say, okay, now you can increase the tariff a bit more to accommodate the people who have invested so that they can buy distribution equipment to deliver power to more people. That is what NEC is set up to do, to regulate it. However, some people went to court and said, no, NEC cannot increase the price. And the court gave an order that mm. NEPA, um, NEC should not increase tariffs at this time. What does that do? The people who have invested in it are not willing to invest more money because what they have invested, they can't recoup. NEC is a stop from increasing the price for them to get money. So we now have a CAC 22 situation. If mm. I can't increase the tariff, I'm not going to be able to generate more power or distribute more power to you. And mm. then there's no power. And why should I pay for no power? So yeah. it becomes difficult. So sometimes for those in government, how, which one do you obey? Do you increase the tariff? I say, look, if you don't pay for electricity, you will not get it. And I'm sure, you know, world over electricity is very expensive. Mm. In, for those in UK, I see them every time they come out of one room, they switch off the light, they switch, turn off the things they are not using. But mm -hmm. here we're used to wastage because we are not really paying for it. I think, well, now that I have light, let me use all the light I can get. I will iron my clothes. I remember my first trip to the US and I was going for a conference for one week. When I got to the house, I started ironing my clothes that I will use for that whole week. The man said, hey, calm down. Maybe you will have electricity. <laughs> but I was used to ironing everything for one week in advance in case I didn't have light when I needed to go out. Wow. But when the leadership follows that law, um, um, judgment, it becomes a problem. On the other hand, there's also unruliness in government. And there's some people who just believe we're government and there's nothing you can do to us. So ba balancing is always very difficult. But until they can explain and carry themselves, because government, when, you, when we talk of government or leadership, mm. is, is a, I mean, what I was taught in school is judiciary, legislature, and executive. Yeah, while they are separate, they're still one. And that is what gives leadership to a country. But in a situation where they seem to be working at cross purposes, executive is not carrying legislature along, legislature and the judiciary are working at cross purposes is why you have confusion in government. So we need to have a, a situation where people are working together. As you saw in the US, it was a working together of everybody that made it possible yeah. for yeah. the election. The judiciary said, no, we will not do what is wrong. The legislature supported um, the House of Rep did what was right and said, no, we will not upturn the elections. And that was why it stayed. But if one arm had been used against the other, you will find that there will be chaos as well. So what we need to do is to get all arms of government working together to make mm. leadership, to make good governance. Otherwise, as long as they are working at cost purposes, and that usually comes from the fear of tomorrow. Mm. Some of them that if I leave this office, I don't know what's going to happen. I've seen judges who retire and don't even have a place to stay. Unless wow. we fix the remuneration and ensure that they can live a good life after mm. service, then we will have this continuing problem. Wow. I mean, some, some very deep, uh, you know, uh, perspective there, sir. Now, um, you know, when I look at leadership and, and, and the rule of law, 
Now, on the on the economic side, now I want to dwell into in terms of growth. You know, um, ease of doing business. You know, in Nigeria, um, for the past few years now, so many uh, you know protocols have been put in place, but we seem to still remain on the same spot. What is happening? Can you speak to that? Sir? I think the greatest challenge we find in that is that we need a paradigm shift as a nation. And people talk about corruption, corruption, corruption. It's not only in government that you find corruption. Start from the very little basics. You send your driver to go and fill your tank, and you're afraid that he was going to try and make some money out of it. The mm -hmm. petrol attendant is trying to shortchange you by selling 200 naira and calling it 2,000 naira for you. And you find that little areas are the things that become big. So that man who has still takes 2,000 naira instead of 200 naira, if he gets into a higher position, do you think he will not look at how he can make more money as well? And but it's, so it's very easy. And those are the things that affect doing business in Nigeria. Mm. I want to set up a business that should cost me 200 naira. The lawyer that is going to register the company for me tells me, oh, the filing fee is 5,000 naira, whereas it's only 500 naira because he thinks he can make a little extra change from you. And those are the areas where it becomes more difficult. But it takes two to tango. If the mm. giver of bribe refuses to give, the person who is accepted will be forced to do what he should do. He may slow down, he may delay, but ultimately he will be forced to do it because mm. there will be no business. But as long as some people are willing to compromise and get mm. an advantage over those who are not willing, everybody pays the price down the line. Because mm. those, those who are willing to pay the corrupt price will always seem to have an advantage. But then there will be stuck when they come lower again. That you pay the man at the top. Hey, we saw you bribe our guy. What of us? Where's our own? Mm. And you always find that it is a price. So the ease of doing business, no matter what rules are put in place, unless mm. people are willing to shift and stay with what is right, mm. we will be suffering a long time to come. Wow. 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 Now, what has been your, even as a senior lawyer, what has been your, you know, experience in terms of, I know lawyers are, you know, um, they're involved in bringing, um, you know, their clients, you know, into different countries, particularly for Nigeria. What has been your experience in terms of convincing some of your clients, particularly when they raise uh, their, you know, um, concern regarding the rule of law? What has been your experience? No, it's as long as they see that, and for many people, everybody is looking for a righteous man, a man who will do things properly. Even a, even a thief, when he steals money, he will not go and give his money to a thief. He's looking for an honest man to keep it. That's why they say even among um, thieves, there's, um, there's honor. Because amongst them, they're still looking for that one. They say, how can you steal my money? So you'll find that people who want to come into Nigeria, if they're persuaded that they're dealing with a man or a person or a company who is going to help them do things right. It mm. is sometimes difficult. It sometimes slows things down. Mm. But at the end of it, you find that they will come. Mm. But a tough envi operating environment, when they come, is always even the more difficult thing. Mm. They're not, mm. not having power all the time. You are paying so much to get power. The people you employ are looking at how they can take a little extra from your business. So you mm. find there's so much money on controls, on creating checks and balances 
that mm. many times they say, look, we can't even trust a Nigerian to head it. They want to bring an expatriate to do what Nigerians are already trained to do. Mm. But it all of it boils down to that, just integrity. If more people will do things with honesty and integrity, you will find that we would even have more businesses growing. But yes, it's tough, but it's working. Mm. Okay, excellent. For those who are just joining us on the on the call on this uh, in this conversation, um, I've been speaking with uh, Dapo Akiosun, senior advocate of Nigeria, and we've been looking at the topic leadership and the rule of law. Now, what are the consequences of leadership not obeying the rule of law when you have leadership not following the rule of law? What's the consequence for a nation? It, it, it begins, it creates chaos, it creates anarchy, it creates things stalling. For instance, if there's a judgment that says you should not um, allow, you should not do open grazing all over the country, um, cattle should be put in ranches. But if the leadership is encouraging them to disobey, then you find that there will be skirmishes as we see continuously between farmers who are planting and hoping to live on it and those who are rearing their cattle who believe if their cattle don't get food, they will die. And that is their own life and business. So you find mm. two economic interests clashing over the rule, over um, disobedience of rule of law. But if they had ranched them several years ago and created those ranches that were done or mm. pastures where they could graze, then you will find the ranches were there before, but because the monies were diverted, the cows started going out to look for food because there was no food in those ranches again. And you find that it gradually begins to break down because some people will not just do the right thing. So leadership is critical in setting the standard and, uh, and walking walk, walk the talk. Mm, mm, mm. Amazing, amazing. Now, um, as it is right now, you, you uh, lawyers um, and the police, they work together. You know, um, <laughs> you know, um, but I find that that, uh, you know, quite a number of lawyers, um, you know, uh, I mean, senior lawyers, they also raise concerns about, um, you know, the, the police, you know, in terms of uh, enforcement. And, uh, you know, what I mean, can you speak to that? Yes. Because it's one thing to get a court judgment, you know, the lawyer cannot enforce the judgment. So can you just speak to that, sir? Yeah, well, you know, in terms of enforcement of judgment, the is always you always need to have this police to go with you to enforce a judgment, particularly where it's a judgment where you're taking possession of some assets. Mm. And because the rule has been abused several times in time past by people using non-police officers, going with thugs. The police have also created stricter rules to engage. So you have mm. to go and register the judgment to the commissioner for police in that environment. There's a unit that is set up that needs to deploy policemen to your aunt. That a lot of the time slows things down. However, mm. it was created to avoid the abuse that I, that I started coming up with it in which people just go and get thugs and go and enforce judgment. Police working with you always makes it easier. But now getting the police, uh, you see, a lot of the time, policemen are also working at a great disadvantage. Uh, mm. we, we saw a lot of that being thrown up in the NSAS riots and, and things that came up. They're yes. overworked, they're underpaid, they're stretched, they're unfairly treated. And 
when you have a man who is already degraded in his mentality, carrying a gun, and mm. you have to deal with him. I, I have learned from police long ago that if a policeman wants something from you, he's very respectful and nice when he wants something from you. So in the same manner, when you approach them, be respectful and nice. And you find that they're not always bad. Of course, there are a few bad eggs who will go overboard. But as long as you also engage them civilly, you'll be able to escape any trouble that is coming at that point in time. Mm. But the, the confusion, the conflict usually comes where you're insisting on your right with a man that has a gun and you don't have a gun. I, mm. I have always shied on the part of staying alive and to tell the story tomorrow. You know, they say he that runs, he that fights and runs away. Can live live you can live to run another day, but at least you're still living. But dead mm. men don't tell tales. That, that's mm. been my own approach to life. Mm. 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 So there are things that you need to step down and re-engage in another way at another time. Mm. Well, you know, uh, somebody said the corruption, it takes two to tango, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the area, this area of corruption, you know, I mean, I know we have this anti-corruption, you know, EFCC is there, you know, there's so many laws. I mean, somebody was saying recently that it's not that Nigeria doesn't have laws, but, uh, you know, in terms of, um, you know, obeying the rule of law uh, has been a major challenge for the Nigerian nation. You know, that we have passed so many laws, you know, the Senate has done so much in that area. But what is the challenge? I mean, can you speak to that? Why is it that we find it so difficult? Is it the political will or? Yes. Well, it's not just the political will. As someone said, it, takes, it always takes two to tango. And because we're in a situation where people want to make more money, at short notice without doing things properly. Yes. What always leads to these issues. The laws are there, but are they enforced? How many people go to prison? We have mm. even seen in situations where somebody is sentenced to prison and he pays somebody else to go to prison on his behalf. That person comes up and says, oh, I'm the one, that was me. Well, and you find that as long as there's plenty of money to be made, people are willing to do things crazily. We have worked for politicians before who say, wait, wait, wait until I get into office. I'll then be able to pay you all your fees. But that means <laughs> that if I work for you and you cannot pay my fees before you get into that office, and what you are looking at doing is that when you get into the office, you will pay me. That means you are going into the office to steal money. You are going to hmm. take money that doesn't belong to you to pay for my services that I did for you privately. And, pay, hmm. and you are using government money to pay my fees. So, so from day one, I can see that your intention of going to that office may not be very noble, but all mm. you are looking at is how you can make money. And so if I support you in that way, and you know, many of us, I want to say, okay, let me, let me support you. When he gets there, he'll pay me. At least then I will get my own chance to make money too. Mm. So that means we are both standing on the wrong pedestal. But if you cannot pay for my services now, is that I'm willing to do it for you for free? Or I'm not, but I'm not hoping to get you to use money you are taking illegally to pay my fees. But once I start encouraging that, then I can't complain down the line that the man is taking money. If he takes money to pay my fees, which he doesn't have now, he's going to take money to pay other fees and save some for next year, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so how can we build systems that would uh, ensure that the rule of law is obeyed in Nigeria? How can we build systems that will endure? 
you see, as I said before, the rules are there, the systems are there. It is the people that need to be determined to, have, to make this change. Unless we are willing to sacrifice. You see, I, a lot of people leave Nigeria and say, I'm going abroad. I'm going to Canada. I'm going to... Yes, those places are working <laughs> because some people have, talk, have done the fight before. Some hmm. people have stood their grounds. The truth is that in America today, People, as you can see, people will do things wrong. It's only yeah. because you know you will go to jail. You will end up in jail. That will stop you. If you know you still, you will get caught. I, when you watch some of this series, um, Crime and Investigation, 30, 40 years down the line, they are still looking for the perpetrator. Look at the man who committed war crimes in na old Nazi Germany. In his old age, in his 80s, he was still sentenced because they kept at it. And if you know that ultimately the system will catch up with me, then there's a likelihood that you will not do things wrong. So it is we, the people, that need to start making a bold determination that we want this change. And this change begins with me and you. Unless we are determined to do it, then nobody's going to do it for us. Mm -hmm. We'd always let it be hijacked by people who want to do it the wrong way. Wow, awesome. I, I also want you to speak to, you know, you you are a, you know, an active member of the MBA, Nigerian Bar Association, and you're in the business law, you know, you've done quite a bit in that area. Can you speak to, you know, how, what's your achievements in, in, in that, in that part of the MBA? Yes. My achievements in the MBA are not very many because my, I've been doing it more as a private citizen, but of course I worked with the MBA when we were setting up the competition law commission committee several years ago. I was very active in that. And of course on the Lagos Bar, when they were doing the dinner and things like that, I've been a supporter, but I've not been in the leadership in the NBA. Okay. Not everybody has in leadership. Some people have to support. And okay. for those who want to go into leadership, we've been actively supporting them and encouraging them. But um, I don't take leadership roles in the NBA yet. Maybe okay. at a later date, if there's a vacuum or there's opportunity, we'll look at that. But right okay. now, will support those who want to be in leadership and obey the rules as well. Wow, excellent, excellent. Now, uh, what types of values can be used to build the system that will, uh, that, that will ensure that the rule of law is respected in Nigeria? What values should be you know, in place? I know you mentioned it earlier, you know. Yes, so one, you must be willing to defy your gratification. That look, I'm willing to wait a bit for me to become a millionaire. I want to wait a bit to ensure that even if I will not get this order or judgment or um, written judgment out from court because somebody is demanding a bribe, yeah. I will wait until I get it done. If it's going to take one week, I keep going back. It will stall me a while, but I will get it. Yeah. I want to get the police to join me in enforcing. If the policeman says, go and write a letter, go and write the letter. Don't yeah. look at how I can bribe him to say, look, leave the letter, let's go. But yeah. let's do things properly, follow it through. It takes a little while, but we must be patient. We must be willing to suffer a bit before things get done. Then also, when you're looking at um, setting the stage, how many people have really gone to prison? How many cases have we followed through? 
We have journalists that are not really doing investigative journalism again. But there was a case I read in the US um, Washington Post then about what Pfizer did wrong in Nigeria. But one journalist kept on it, that what Pfizer did in Nigeria at that time, when they came to do the um, Trovan trial, they were trying out the trial drug Covan, Trovan in Kano, where there was an epidemic of meningitis. Yes. But yes. that journalist, I think he, he, in Washington Post, he followed the case until um, Pfizer's work or what Pfizer did wrong was exposed and he did a newspaper serialization of it up to 10 years after the case and he kept at it. But what you find is that once we start following a story in Nigeria, uh, once there's no longer newsy, it's not very important again, journalists yes, yes. and they move on to the next headline. But nobody really follows cases through to see how there's corruption. We say there's corruption. Have you followed the corruption story through? Have you followed the corrupt judge or corrupt lawyer to show that, yes, it's true? But we just dwell a lot on rumors, headline story. We just flash it on the page, scandalize them without any facts or basis to support it. So we, we need to have people doing thorough investigation, investigative work and follow up to ensure it is concluded. But until we begin to take the course, it's going to be difficult. Mm. Mm. Wow, excellent. Now, I just want you to also speak to, I've been speaking with uh, Dakwa Kiyosu, SAN. We've been talking about leadership and the rule of law. Now, the in the prisons, Nigeria prisons, we hear that there are a lot of uh, inmates that is awaiting trial. People have been there for several years. And sometimes we have, uh, you know, uh, the chief judge will go there maybe once in a year to, you know, uh, you know, uh, give some people that uh, opportunity, maybe clemency, you know, what is happening? I mean, our, 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 you know, our, our prisons are, you know, filled with people that are waiting trial. Can you speak to that, sir? Many, first challenge with prisons is that it needs a total overhaul and reform. Many of the people who are waiting trial are actually awaiting trial for the lesser state offenses. Um, stealing, burglary, land matters, which are all under state law. But the prisons are controlled by the federal government. Mm. And so there's not enough accommodation. For many mm. of those prisons were built several years ago. They've not been expanded. They've not been increased in size. But meanwhile, you're getting more people, more offenses. As people are, there are more offenses created, more punishments, even for simple traffic violation you may end up in prison. And then the prison, eh, those are minor state offenses. Or, but when it comes to taking them to court, the prison system or correction system now is overburdened. They mm. don't have enough facilities to take them to court. Many cars are broken now. Who fuels those cars? Because every time they're going, that is a impact on the federal government's budget. Whereas mm. it is state offense, they're going to a state court. So those mm. the interplay of these things make it very heavy to bear. So they get to court. There's no light in the courtroom that day. The court cannot sit in the heat. What do they do? They return them to prison. The matter is adjourned for another three months or two, six weeks. Before the next time they come back, there's no vehicle to bring them to court that day or there's no security. So you find that all those little things begin to drag a simple matter of a traffic violator. And he finds mm. himself 
prison just waiting for a hearing date for months. Mm. So until there's a total reform in which, first of all, the correction system or prison system is made to be run by states who can now gauge how many people we're doing. I know that it, many people in many countries, once the identity system, and this is also intertwined with the identity system, if I yes. can track it down five years from now, wherever you are, because you have an NIN number, some number I can use to track you anywhere you are in the country, then you know that uh, if you escape from one state, I go to another state, we will still be able to track you. Then the state can gauge how many people he has in his prisons. It can give more fine, more um, financial punishment and say, pay a fine of this and go away. Well, if you don't pay that fine, we're going to clamp you down somewhere else. But there have to be more creative ways of getting the prisons decongested. But as long as we're waiting on that system of which you break a traffic light, you end up in prison, you're spending three months awaiting trial. Whereas the man who has committed murder is also there. And both of you are now forced to live together. Even in that place, you begin to learn bad manners. You begin to form bad company because what you went in for was a simple offense. But you are now mingling with criminals who are hardened and they first torture you when you get into the prison. You have to either bow down to them and you begin to learn their ways. So it becomes a lot more complicated inside the prison. Instead of correcting you, it ends up toughening you and making even a more serious criminal of you. So th those laws have to be reformed. They have to find a way of outsourcing. As you find in the U.S. system, the prison service is actually outsourced. It's managed by private companies who are paid to do it. And the money is generated from different sources. And we need to look at overhauling that system in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for speaking to that because I know that quite a number of um, inmates are there. You know, some you hear they've been there for 15 years, you know, just awaiting trial. Maybe they just uh, like petty, you know, thieves and so on and so forth. You know, and even the, the courts are overwhelmed because sometimes they say that, you know, uh, you have cases before it even gets to the appeal courts. You know, it might take even 10 years, you know, before you can have a judge that will listen to that. Can you, can you, can you, can you listen to the take of the matter? Can you speak to that in terms of judges, in terms of, you know, ability to the cases, you know, delays in, in, in trial? Yeah, uh, as I said, some of those delays are caused by the kind of offenses that people are taking in for. Now, the appellate system is overburdened because there are some cases that are time-bound, particularly as we began democracy. Many of the election tribunals, election petitions are time-bound and need to be finished. Uh, you saw before when some people are in court till almost the expiration, and it has even happened before that four years have elapsed and they haven't finished. Laws were made that these election petitions and things that will be finishing quickly have to be accelerated. Now, when they get priority over normal cases, you will find that there's the same judge that is taken away from his court to go and sit on an election petition. While he's away sitting on that election petition, the court's cases in his court suffer a while. They have to stay and adjourn until he comes back. Now, can we create special courts that will hear those kind of cases? We know that those judges will sit every four years or every three years when election time comes. Can we fast track criminal cases and all petty cases and have a small crimes court where I will deal with all those petty things and deal with them strictly? And how many judges are appointed? The Constitution fixes the number of judges that can be appointed in each level. 
Can that be adjusted to increase the number of judges? If that is increased, will the, how will the budget increase to deal with the number of judges? Because for every judge employee, he has to have a house, he has to have a car, he has to have security. So it is a whole spiral effect. But until those things are increased, and of course, at the end of it, how do you pay them well to avoid them becoming corrupt? You read in the papers recently, some magistrates in Cross River, Cross River State also have been sitting for two years without pay. Uh, yeah, and went to, you know, protest, you know, does, that the I mean, government are, has not paid yet. Yeah, these are people who are sitting in judgment over other people. And then they are not paid salaries for two years. I mean, they have children they're sending to school. They took this job under whatever, guys. However, they got the jobs, they got the jobs. And they're expecting to live off the income they make there. But if they're not paid, then you can, you can imagine that. On the day he's going to go and sell shoes or shirt or go and borrow money from somebody, he's not going to sit in court that day. Every matter that is coming up before him will be stopped. And in like manner, if a member, someone who knows his uncle or knows, hey, look, tell this man to hear my case quickly, we'll give him 50,000 naira or something. It, it creates a venue for people to win. Yeah. So, in the same manner, when all those cases go to the court of appeal, the number of court of appeal judges, you can only have so many. Then New um, president has created many more jurisdictions because they are willing to try and give dates. They've expedited and they've cleared a lot of backlogs thus far. However, mm -hmm. we still have that challenge in that the number of judges that can be employed by the constitution has to be increased. Otherwise, you now have three judges of the Court of Appeals sitting in one jurisdiction when there should be five. So if one of them is down, for any reason can't come, that means matters can't go on until the person comes back. So it's a whole lot of increasing the number. The population is increasing rapidly mm. and the constitution is not making. So those are the kind of laws and rules that need to be changed or revised to make room for quick dispensation of justice. Mm. But it's a whole value chain that it needs to be engaged. Wow, wow. We're almost getting to the, to the end of the session. I just want to appreciate you, sir, for showing up even at a time like this. Uh, for those who have been listening, um, if you have any questions or comments at this point, please feel free to leave it in the chat box. There's an opportunity for you to engage um, with uh, uh, the senior advocates tonight. I just want you also to speak to this area of, uh, you know, uh, special courts for corruption, special courts. There was a time that I think about two years ago, the vice president was talking about, was it the president we're talking about, you know, creating special courts to... Uh, prosecute, uh, you know, you know, anti-corruption cases because some of these cases have been there eight years, ten years, you know, and uh, there's been a delay, you know. Uh, even Nigeria, in terms of, uh, you know, the the corruption, you know, this index, Nigeria is, I think, is number one forty-six, you know. So, can you speak to that, sir? Special uh, yeah, courts for special courts always comes with its own dangers. Because when a court is set up only for that purpose, people will always look for how to infiltrate or to bend the rules of that court. However, when the courts are set up, how do you remunerate them effectively or sufficiently? Because you are dealing with large sums of money, large volumes. How do you insulate them? How do you protect them? People who have money are willing to engage all manners of going to eliminate the judge who seems to be difficult. Mm. That happens a lot in Mexico and those countries where crime is very high and people are willing to do anything to keep their money. 
Also, mm. there's a lot of antics from those who manipulate the judicial system. Mm. So there, there are some holes in the law. There's no law that is perfect. I know that I can use the court system to waste your time and mm. hope that the administration will change. I will go to court and ask for an order staying proceedings at the lower court because I don't like the way the judge is going. Mm. And, uh, and you find that people use so different kind of antics to delay. We have seen people coming to court and fainting in court just because they don't want the matter to go on. And some of this is aided by lawyers who are willing to bend the system. So until we have a situation as well, I know that the legal profession is one of the most regulated and you find lawyers being disciplined and suspended regularly. But you still find there are some who are willing to risk their license just mm. to get to steal a match. Mm. I mean, you see the U.S. where lawyers went to do what was wrong. Immediately, the judges called them to order. The lawyers started backing down on some of the things they were doing for Trump. Yes. And until we find that kind of strong regulation and punishment system as well for people who manipulate or do injustice with the law, as in now you are sanctioned personally, affects your career. You find, but sometimes when you look at what am I earning in my career, this will be what, what I can make for doing something wrong. Hey, I mean, the kind of fight the politicians are fighting sometimes is billions of naira worth of take when they get into government. And they're offering a man who earns at best 500,000 a year sometimes, or 600,000 a month. And they say, you know what? I can give you 1 billion naira for this case. The man will look at it. Even if I'm on my salary, how long will it take me to get a billion naira? Mm. Hey, you know, so the stakes just have to be made much more difficult by remunerating those. And I think a lot of it comes down to getting the right people into office, remunerating them appropriately, protecting them. And if you are setting up a special court, know that you are going to be securing them well. But how do you secure men when there are not even enough police officers to guard the city? You need to train more policemen. You need to engage more policemen. So it's a whole gamut. But I believe it starts from, first of all, recruiting more policemen engage training them. We need thousands more police than we have now. We've talked about local policing. What can be done to effect it quicker? When you begin to have local policing and you're getting more policemen at different levels. Right now, you bring a Hausa man from Bornu to come and police Lagos. They are planning to steal right beside him speaking Yoruba. He doesn't understand what they're saying. Even if they are plotting to kill him, he doesn't know. So mm. we have more local policing to begin to, you can see Amoteco is beginning to have some effect. Yes. Even though they're not properly armed or trained yet or fully trained, but you can see that they're beginning to engage more kind of local crimes. They're the ones discovering people, bandits bringing in guns into the forest and challenging them because they know those routes themselves. So, so we, we need to backtrack a bit, expand our enforcement system, create more policemen, train them, then we begin to we move up to the judiciary, increase mm -hmm. the resolution, increase the number of judges we have. That way you can be sure that there will be fair judgments, there will be timeless dispensation. And if you have to increase the size of the prisons or outsource it, but everything comes down to how do we enforce judgment. Until we get to enforcement of rule of law properly, there would always be corruption, there will always be crime, because people know that they can get away with doing things wrong. Wow, wow, wow. I just want to salute you, sir. I mean, I'm so, I'm so encouraged. You've said so many things tonight. 
for those who are going to be watching the replay, uh, we've been speaking on leadership and the rule of law. We just have two more questions as we close. Uh, it's been it's been a wonderful session. I want you to speak to those who are just coming into the practice of law, uh, young lawyers who might be listening to this. What's the advice? I know that uh, uh, for you, uh, you said you know you, law was not your first degree, you know, um, and you have come this far and uh, you become a senior advocate of the, uh, you know. Of Nigeria, I just want you to share some words of encouragement. That a lot of young lawyers always give up early. Truth is that law is a lifetime. You don't retire from being a lawyer. There's nothing better than the practice of law. I've been in the corporate world. I've gone into banking. I've been a company secretary, but I came back into litigation. Litigation is what you can do for the rest of your life. It's slow money. It doesn't pay as quickly as many lawyers would want, but it eventually pays. Mm. But you have to pay your dues to get the pay ultimately. You have to acquire the skills. And it's a tough learning curve. But mm. when you are good at what you do, you keep practicing what you do, you mm. will get there eventually. That journey up is tough. That journey up is difficult sometimes. But I don't know a better profession than law, really. Mm. I, I feel sorry for those of you who are not lawyers sometimes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't even go there. Don't even go there. <laughs> I know you are trying to. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, incidentally, I did a master's in property violation and law. I'm not a lawyer, you know. I mean, the law of, you know, property. But... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's just to help uh, enable me understand the law of, you know, real estate. You because we all need to understand the law, you know, so that at least we'll be on the right side of the law. I want to, the big part of that question is that um, there's some there's some people that study law, quite a number of uh, young people study law, and you find out that they end up uh, becoming uh, fashion designers, they become, uh, you know, you know, go into IT, they go into banking, and they just, what, what, what can you say? I mean, speak to that for those that, you know, go to law school and end up, yes. The legal trade and the legal mindset just helps you to approach things differently. You are taught to think out of the box. You are taught to look at the same thing that you would just see white and say, oh, this is white. I say, no, why is it white? Are you sure it is white? Look at it again. Can you see a shade under it? And you will find that what it does, it, it just broadens your mind and ability to think. So whatever profession, whatever career you take up after being trained as a lawyer, is only law is only a pedestal to start off. And you find that many of them still do well in whatever lines because they've been, they, they are taught to just think critically and, and look at every process that they see and approach it differently. But not everybody can end up being practicing lawyers. Not everybody will end up in the courtroom. We don't even have enough cases, of course, to take all of us. However, whatever you find your hand, whatever your hands find to do, just do it well and do it with the passion of, of being trained as a lawyer. That's all. But hey, it's good to have people in other professions. All of us cannot be going to court. Otherwise, how would we get clients? So we still need people <laughs> like <laughs> are you. Are you trying to discourage young lawyers to say that, look, they can study law, but they don't necessarily have to practice law? Because no. I mean, for some, someone who has gone to law school, maybe probably in the U.S., and has paid, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars to become a lawyer, you know, and he goes to the New York bar 
and you now say, okay, you know, uh, or or Nigeria as it were, because it's very expensive to become a lawyer. I, would you now say the person should, you know, just lend it and uh, switch to other careers? No, my first advice is that as much as possible, try and practice law for two years. That is for the first two years of your graduation. Try and practice it. Understand what it takes so that if at any point in time you need to come back into it, you, you have an understanding of the rudiments. It may change. Things may change around it, but you always be able to catch up. But if you are not finding joy in what you are doing, the most important part, the most important thing is finding fulfillment in what you do. I may be trained as a lawyer and not find fulfillment in going to court, not because um, not because there's no money in it, but because it is not really what I enjoy doing. Some people prefer to write. As a lawyer, you may, just, you may become a journalist writing novels, writing books, writing articles, but that is what you find pleasure in doing. And if mm. I, I'm more inclined to the entertainment, I like uh, hosting people, I like having parties, and you find yourself in event um, what management. event management. As long as you are bringing your skill and thought process to bear and critical management of the chain of chain, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. We, all get to, we all get to the end. Not everybody has to go in the same direction. As long as your mind is formed and you know what you're doing, we can only pray for you and wish you the best of luck. Wow, wow. I said two more questions, but now I, I want to also, <laughs> it's going to be two, <laughs> one more extra. Now you're a, a senior advocate of Nigeria. Um, my late dad was also a senior advocate of Nigeria, um, you know, blessed memory. And I know when he became a senior advocate, um, uh, we followed him to the Supreme Court, you know, in Abuja. And took pictures. It was a it was a glorious day, you know. Uh, his siblings, my mom, you know, everyone was there. Uh, now that you are a senior advocate of Nigeria, what's the feeling like? Oh, definitely, it gives a feeling of um, achievement. At least there's a there's a what do you call it? There's a peak of your career of the like, profession you have chosen, and the fact that you achieve it gives you a good feeling that at least it shows that. If I want something, I can do it and I will do it. If somebody else has done it before me, that means I can do it. If your late dad became a senior advocate after being a professor, then that mm. means that I can also be a senior. I have no excuse for not mm. being able to do it. And you just need to find out what is the process. If that is what I want to do, then I begin to follow it and say, how do I do it? What are the steps I need to follow? And mm. as initially I was discouraged from doing it because I thought many people were not doing it right. But I found out that look, if you do things the right way and you follow the process, you will get there eventually. Mm. It's just a matter of committing your mind to the process and determining to follow it through. And mm. you find yes, but it's certainly a good feeling to know that, okay, I've picked here, so the next is what, what other mountain is there to climb? God will show me as I look forward to the next level. Well, congratulations. I'm sure your wife will be so proud of you and your children as well. We are we are proud of you and we pray that you know this there'll be more wins by the special grace of God in Jesus' name. Finally, 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 who are your mentors? Because I, I don't think all this knowledge that you are pouring out tonight is accidental. Who are your mentors? I well, you know, your mentors come and go depend on your level in life as you grow. You take on some other person, but definitely my mentors in life have been, as I grew in 
school, I had some teachers that I just revered. I just loved them so much. Mm. And some of them was a late professor, Monsini, who took me in history, European history in the University of Ife. Mm. While I was in Unilag, Professor Shibajo was one of my most favorite lecturers, the way he just approached issues and took things calmly and made sure that all of us understood in practice, I, in church and practice, I had Pastor Femi Atoyebi, senior advocate of Nigeria, who showed me how to fish, that you can do things right. And of course, later in life, I had uh, Mr. Oyebode of Alukwano Oyebode, who taught me several things about the practice of the business of law. Mm. I ultimately teamed up with Professor Shibaju again, who has been a great mentor and leader, and now the vice president of the country. But those men have made it valuable. But most of all, of course, my late father set the foundation, taught me to fight for whatever I would. And I have a senior brother, Wale Akinoshu, who has been a great leader and role model for me as well. Wow, 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 wow. Um, I just want to thank you because tonight, uh, tonight they said that you, you, you told me yesterday that your wife, you had to, you asked for special permission to feature on this program because... <laughs> Today is the day set aside to celebrate a watching. Okay, please. A big thank you to her for sparing you, you know, giving us this opportunity to listen and learn from you. Uh, no doubt, uh, those who have been listening, um, you know, I just want us to say a big thank you to um Dapuakiosun senior advocate of nigeria um for you know showing up tonight uh no doubt we are so thankful and those who are going to be watching the replay um they're going to be learning a lot tonight and we pray that many more wins for you and your family in jesus name so once mm -hmm. again thank you so much for showing up uh in in 30 seconds can you just share some words of encouragement to those who are listening um, or those who are going to be joining us later I'm a firm believer in the Project Nigeria. I believe that this country can work. Uh, I trust that together we can make this country much better, a better place for us. Um, I think we should all learn to do things properly. It, it's difficult, it's tough climbing, but trust me, at the end of the day, the reward and the benefits are worth all the trouble. Mm. Thank you. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on God. Stay with the Project Nigeria and stay in God. And I'm sure all things are possible through Christ. Thank you so much. So once again, I, I would like to say a big thank you to you. Um, thank you for those who have been uh, on this uh, session tonight. This is the 23rd session of Leadership Talk with Adigoke. And I've been speaking with Dapo Akiyoshu and we've been looking at the topic, leadership and the rule of law. Leadership and the rule of law. So to same time next week, I want to wish you a wonderful Sunday evening. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much, sir. <laughs> that, was, that was a very powerful one. <laughs> uh, yes.